that that all things work together for good for those that love you. We do pray for your uh, help today as we uh, try to understand your great power and your great goodness and uh, your plan all at the same time. We pray that we will have uh, the kind of faith that we need um, that is... uh, Empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and not by our need for uh, confirmation. We ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we are going to talk about the problem of suffering and evil. Uh, The first time I had to uh, deal with this topic um, was in a classroom. Uh, the name of the course was called The Problem of Suffering and Evil. <laughs> that was uh, taught by an unbeliever uh, that was kind of Catholic. Uh, he was what you would call a liberal Catholic. Uh, hated the Pope at the time because he was too conservative. So I don't know how Catholic you can be if you hate the Pope. But... But he, uh, he came to class with ash on his forehead one day, and I realized he really does have, you know, he believes in some part of it. So anywho, I say all that to say that it was during that course uh, that he uh, said, how many in here believe that the Bible has no mistakes in it? And he says, I'm sorry, I won't make you raise your hand and embarrass yourself. I realized then that you're supposed to be ashamed of that. And uh, he said, look, I don't want to take the Bible away from you. This was in this class. He said, uh, he said, but if you just stop believing that all of it's true, but rather that it's just helpful, he said, you get rid of so many problems. So the biggest problem you get rid of is this issue of suffering and evil. And so uh, that's how he introduced his course, actually. It was uh, interesting. He then uh, went on to uh, define all the terms of what suffering is and what evil is. And in being the one that defines the terms, he gets to be the, ones that, the one that decides who's inconsistent and who's not, right? Anyone take debate in here? Thank you. I almost said, I won't make you raise your hand and embarrass yourself. Uh, but, uh, but in debate, <coughs> in debate what you understand, I, I think, is probably what you were taught. Something along these lines is the person that defines the terms wins the debate. If you let the opponents define the terms, then uh, you've already lost. Because now you're trying to play catch-up the whole time and trying to fit your argument into their de- definitions. And so it's, uh, it's something that a lot of professors do uh, to try and help students understand how dumb they are for believing in such foolish things as Christianity and how smart they could be if they agreed with the definitions that this professor just came up with. And at no time is a student smart enough. I, mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean they're just learning all this stuff and This guy with a PhD sounds really intelligent, and he starts defining terms, and they don't think to themselves, well, where did he get that idea? Uh, They just think, wow, that sounded intelligent. 
a lot more intelligent than mom and dad. He must be right. And then, then off they go to the races of trying to be the smartest person in the room. And it's only later they realize it doesn't lead anywhere. So, as we look at suffering and evil, I want to make sure that we are defining our terms. Lest we let someone else define our terms and we try to fit the Bible into it. That never works. So what I have at the top of the page there are the three common complaints uh, that have been brought to Scripture. Um, which is why this is, the second word there, a problem. See, in, uh, in this ideology, we assume there is a problem with suffering. And we have to decide what that problem is uh, by defining the term. Some of this might not even be we call a problem. So, the first one is, if God is both good and all-powerful, why is there suffering in the world? The second complaint, if God is both good and all-powerful, why is there a disproportionate amount of suffering in the world? In other words, why is there so much? I mean, so, so what, they, what they do is they say, well, if, if you can answer the question as to why there's any suffering in the world... Then let me follow that up with a wiser so much. And we're going to deal with... Those two, I think, are the easiest ones to deal with. Um, number three is the hardest one to deal with. If God is both good and all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? And it'll be important for us to define that term so that we can try and figure things out a little bit. This is what I can promise you. I can give you a solid answer for the first two. Uh, the, the third one is going to be harder. All right? third one's going to be harder, especially after we define the terms biblically. Um, we're going to get to a point where you will either uh, be confronted with something that fills you with awe or something that fills you with doubt. We're going to talk about the difference between those two things. So, let's start the first one. Before we even begin, though, I want to remind us of a few verses. You don't have to turn to these. I'm going to zip through them real fast. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. First uh, Chronicles sixteen thirty four. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. <coughs> Ezra three eleven, and they sang uh, responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever toward Israel. Uh, Psalm twenty five eight. Good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that following is a presence of the Lord. Now he's talking about that. So if that is so, let's start with the first complaint. Why is there suffering at all? Um, what do you think? About suffering. I mean, um, 
Why do you think there's suffering in the world? Yes? The sin of one man brought death. Okay. Okay, there's some suffering comes because of the curse that God has placed on this world due to man's sin. That's right. We have to face it. And that curse includes those that have that are under a an unbroken um, covenant with God, right? Those that are saved still suffer. Um, we live in a culture in which, in your first your first uh, tag there, we live in a culture in which suffering is evil. Suffering has become defined as that which is evil. If someone suffers, that is evil. If you accept that, uh, suffering, the act of suffering is an evil upon someone, then uh, you have to swallow the whole pill. One of the things I tell my students if you're going to jump on board with a philosopher or with an idea, you have to take the train all the way to the end. You don't get to get off early. Right? Uh, so, if you want to be one of those cool kids that say, yeah, Frederick Nietzsche was right, there is no God, yeah, then you have to follow that train all the way down to where that leads logically. And logically it leads to that you have no real purpose on this earth. Right? There is no reason for you to be here. And everything you do literally means nothing. You have to invent meaning, which eventually will drive you insane, according to Camus. And really, the most logical thing for you to do is kill yourself. So if you want to be cool, that's where the train goes. You don't get to get off and say, well, there is no God, but there's still meaning. That's ridiculous. I mean, not even Nietzsche believed that. Okay, so... If we, get, if we take the pill, right, if we get on the train or whatever, whatever analogy you like best, uh, if we get on the train that suffering really is evil done to someone, then suffering becomes the enemy. And then anything, in your next little blank there, anything can be justified to avoid evil. For instance, murder is justified based on this idea. Murder. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, um, when you're at the abortion clinic, protesting, people will come in. People think they are doing that baby a favor, right? Why? Because they say, well, if I, ha if I, if I go through with this, this baby's going to have a terrible life because I'm not ready and, um, you know, my boyfriend is abusive or whatever and he might abuse the there's this, all these reasons. If this child suffers, uh, that's the worst thing that can be done to them. So murdering the baby is then better. Right? Um, euthanasia is another one. Um, allowing people to murder themselves because they feel they want to die uh, becomes justified because suffering is the ultimate. And if we can get rid of the ultimate evil through murder, then we will, because murder will help us do that. You have to take the train all the way. You don't get, get off early and say, well, I believe suffering is evil, but maybe not abortion. We shouldn't do abortion. Well, 
What was that? Why not? The question is why not? Oh, okay. Why, why can't I get off early? Yeah. Okay, because if we really believe suffering is evil, then killing is a way to stop the suffering. And so if someone says, well, I don't want abortion, but I do think suffering is evil, then what you're saying is, right, this su- that suffering really isn't as bad as you're saying it is. And it has to be as bad as you're saying it is. Which means abortion should be okay. Does that make sense? So, what does the Bible say about suffering? This is the tough one because... Um, this is easy to say in the abstract, right? Uh, very easy to say in the abstract. We're just talking about suffering out here. We're like, yes, it should be a joy. <laughs> we uh, remember that uh, those old pastors from the old days that used to say uh, that you are to endure your suffering as a good Christian, and you're like, yes, amen, amen, and you go home and. And you feel very depressed because you actually feel suffering from something real and that uh, just someone yelling at you to have joy doesn't help, right? Um, but James 1.2 says this. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Uh, so your... This is what's hard to imagine, that as you suffer in these trials, that the joy comes because this, uh, this suffering produces something. It produces endurance. And because our mindset is so far away from wanting our faith to, to endure, so far away from wanting us to um, persevere, uh, that doesn't sound comforting. Uh, one thing that we have to remember with our tulip, right? Uh, what does the P stand for? Anyone know? Perseverance of the saints. P doesn't stand for once saved, always saved. I mean, I know that it, I'm not. I don't want to get away from what that means. God is in control of that perseverance. Right? But it doesn't mean free ticket. There's a perseverance to, to your end. Your salvation isn't as if it were a ticket that once you get it, then that's it. It's a persevering to the end. Yeah, that sanctification is both a guarantee and a work. So, as we get to James 1, 2 through 4, we see this is, the suffering is to be considered a joy. Considered a joy to suffer because it's part of the pea and tulip. (laughs) Put it that way. Um, Genesis fifty twenty, um, the Joseph story. What's interesting about that at the end? Let me uh, just read that very quickly for you. 
now that I got the large uh, letter edition here, my wife found this for me, and now I can see what I'm reading. It's wonderful. And yes, I do. I probably do need glasses. But if you haven't been diagnosed, it doesn't count yet, right? <laughs> That's what I say about my ADHD. If it hasn't been diagnosed, I really don't have it yet. Okay. Um, Exodus 50.20. So, uh, as for you, this is Joseph talking. Remember all the suffering of his life. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Uh, what's interesting about this, we have a theological training at my work where when you're hired, we walk you through um, our biblical worldview book to help, uh, to help them along to see what direction we're going theologically. And we get, uh, because of the nature of the company, we get uh, people that um, would like to sacrifice God's sovereignty on the altar of God being good. Does that make sense? So they really want to preserve God's goodness, but they do that by saying, well, God can't be in control of everything. We call them Arminians, or there's different names for